I have the worst radio broadcast ever. I have one of the best radio broadcasts ever. And welcome to Date Fight. It's the podcast which takes great moments from history and pitches them against each other. He's Jake Yap, I'm Nat Tapley, and together we are sailing down a certain historical creek in the Coracle of Truth. Without a paddle. Without any paddles at all. We are entirely paddleless. Send paddles. Round one! I have the 3rd of January, 2008. When oil broke $100 a barrel for the first time. Ooh. I've actually got three things that happened on the 3rd of January 2008. Well, two that were the 3rd of January 2008, one of which was the 3rd of January 1959. And I think there's a connection between all three. Let me see if you can work out what the connection is. Okay. It was Jan- a Monday. <laughs> 3rd of January 2008, oil breaks $100 a barrel. 3rd of January 2008, also, the US Minerals Management Service gives leave to explore... Um, Alaska for oils, um, despite the fact that it's in an area that has one of its only two populations of polar bears. Mm. On the 3rd of January 1959, Alaska becomes a state, the 49th, of the United States. Um, also on the 3rd of January 2008, US Congress discusses whether or not polar bears are threatened or merely just, you know, unfriendly and they don't like being seen, so they hide when we go and count them. <laughs> those are my things. Can you see any link between those those things? Nope. No. Again, no. we are fantastic stewards of the planet, and if anything, the 3rd of January is a time to remember just how good we are at making very good decisions. Difficult decisions, decisions, but in the end, the best decisions. Yes. Hard decisions that, yes, because... We had to make the decision between should people who produce oil make less money or make more money? And we decided that more was the way forward. And I, as someone who owns a lot of oil, think that was the right thing I to agree. do. I uh, agree. As someone with a lot of money but who needs far more than you could ever need, uh, I can confirm that this was yes. the right choice. We should mention that Datefight is now sponsored by Esso. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they'll just change their name to SOS <laughs> but SO if you are listening seriously I mean you could drop us a line we are entirely <laughs> yeah, we are. yeah it'll definitely that's a good idea mate <laughs> well I'm gonna go for the mm. 3rd of January 1833 and other great decisions uh, being taken yeah uh, the United Kingdom claims sovereignty over the Falkland Islands so the Falkland Islands uh, are about 300 miles. Who owned them before? Who's where they... Who owned them before that? Was it just penguins? They were sort of, I'm going to, in quotation marks, undiscovered. Right, OK. I, I think people knew they were around. It's just that we didn't know they were okay. around and they weren't inhabited, so we had them. Uh, the principal islands are about 300 miles east of South America's southern Patagonian coast and about 750 miles from the northern tip of the Antarctic Peninsula, mm-hmm. i.e., British. Very British. I mean, you can't get more British than 300 miles off South America. As English as the Prince of 750 Wales. miles from Antarctica. That is as British <laughs> as you can get. I like that the capital is called Stanley. <laughs> it was called Port Jackson. It was Stanley Harbour. Right. And nobody really knows, so it's just Stanley. Just Stanley, no. And apparently Falklanders often refer to it simply as town. <laughs> Where where are you going? Town. Okay. Yeah. What are you going to get there? Sheep. <laughs> okay. 
Could you get some milk? Milk. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, do you want to eat tonight? Yes. What do you want to food. eat? Food. Okay. <laughs> A town. The inventive people. How you got bus? Yeah, they the ones famously single syllables only. Yeah. There. Uh, obviously, uh, controversy mm. exists over its discovery and colonisation. Yeah. Uh, they have at various times had French, British, Spanish and Argentine settlements. Yeah. Uh, there was a time, I think, 1764 and 1766, I think. Mm. The theory is that the French uh, set up a port on one island or one end. Yeah. And said, right, this is France now. <laughs> and at the same time, the British set up and went, right, this is Britain now on the other end. And then it was all a bit messy. But we came out victorious, as usual. We won. Get over it. So almost all Falklanders favour the archipelago remaining a UK overseas territory. Yeah. Although it is still an ongoing dispute between Argentina and the United Kingdom. The tra- but- This is the trouble, you see. Once you start whelping... Mm. In any of these territories, people feel like, well, this is where I belong. This is my island now. I was born here. Yes, I was born here. Once you get past one generation, it's just an almighty mess, isn't it? Yes. There's nothing that can be done to solve anything that's old. As I've understood the way you've said it, none of these other countries have any better claim. Britain's claim might be entirely spurious and made up and enforced only by the fact that we were the people who were able to shoot enough things at it to keep it. But no one has any better claim, morally or reasonably, than that. Exactly, mate. The only reason to own it. You're saying what we're thinking, (laughs) and thank you. (laughs) These are the truths that need to be told, Jake. Maggie Thatcher. (laughs) Yeah. Maggie Thatcher. Falklands errors. Right. English is Elizabeth Schleswig, Holstein, Saxe-Coburg, Gotha. Queen in our name. (laughs) Right. Yes. Well, I'm thinking about the Queen, and you know what effect that has on me, because she isn't fit, because I love my country, not like some people. I'll have a think about the Queen while you do the birthdays. Happy birthday to Britain's premier gnome describer, J.R.R. Tolkien. Happy birthday to post-apocalyptic Antipodean Bible Nazi Mel Gibson, old sugar tits himself, with nine kids. Also happy birthday to Greta Thunberg. She's the number one Greta and Times Person of the Year, quite rightly. Happy death day to Josiah Wedgwood, the potter and abolitionist who made the famous medallion with showing a slave with Am I Not a Man and Brother on it in 1787. Also, happy death day to Catherine of Valois. She was the wife of Henry V and the mother of Henry VI. Uh, later, after Henry V had, you know, died, she went off and had a romance with Owen Tudor, but didn't marry him because under the new rules, if she'd married him, he could have all his property taken away from him. So she shocked everyone by having an affair with a Welshman, giving birth to a child, and then her grandson, by that Welshman, became Henry VI. No, Henry VII. Henry VII. Um... Owen Tudor, as a result of his affair with Catherine of Valois, was given the rights of an Englishman and no longer had to be Welsh. <laughs> also, happy death day. <laughs> I mean, presumably there were better things that came of it, like the children and grandchildren who became king. But, you know, he got to call himself English after that, too. I mean, how many happy names... Sorry, sorry, sorry. How many names were there knocking around in those days? Because, I mean, that 
Like, how many Henrys do you need? Well, eight, I know, but... Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so her great-grandson was a Henry as well. Henry VIII. There you go. So she's related to Henry V, Henry VI, Henry VII, and Henry VIII. Wow. But not all in the same line of... Anyway. Happy death day to Jack Ruby, the mob-connected restaurateur who killed Lee Harvey Oswald uh, for no reason, apparently. <laughs> Just decided to do it. Just went and did it. Don't bother looking into that one. <laughs> He's just a guy who likes doing that. <laughs> Happy death day to him. Round two. Now, at the beginning of this, we did our little tease that we do right at the top of the podcast. And I said I had a good radio broadcast. Mm. Uh, and this was a radio broadcast made by Eddie Cantor, the singer and oh. entertainer. I mean, if you can imagine... Bruce Forsyth, but American, and in the 30s, you're about mm-hmm. there. And he lent his support to Franklin D. Roosevelt's March of Dimes on the 3rd of January, 1938. Ooh. In fact, it was Eddie Cantor who named it the March of Dimes. It was a play on the March of Time. Ooh. And uh, this was founded yep. by the president as a response to American epidemics of polio. Uh, which, of course, he had been diagnosed with himself. Funny how people always take up causes that they're afflicted with themselves. But it turns out that despite being diagnosed in 1921 with polio, he probably didn't have it. What? His symptoms are now thought to have been that of Guillain-Barre syndrome. Oh. Which is an autoimmune neuropathy. Mm. And uh, nobody nobody got that. Anyway, so he wanted to sort out polio in children. Yeah. And he said, send me a dime and I will put it to good use. And it worked really well. Thousands of people sent in envelopes with a dime in and some of them had that makes hundreds of dollars <laughs> literally hundreds of dollars well <laughs> one dime of each. Uh, it was eighty five thousand dollars oh, okay uh that's better after eddie Cantor's initial appeal that's pretty good but it went on and on and on and uh roosevelt did uh, a birthday celebration broadcast on january the 30th so obviously best part of a month on mm-hmm. he said uh, i'm not going to do an impression he said during the past few days bags of mail have been coming literally by the truckload to the white house yesterday between 40 and 50,000 letters came into the mail room of the white house today an even greater number how many i cannot tell you for we can only estimate the actual count by counting the mail bags in all the envelopes are dimes and quarters and even dollar bills gifts from grown-ups and children mostly from children who want to help other children get well it is glorious to have one's birthday associated with a work like this mm. whereas i went to tgi fridays <laughs> which was excellent i must say the chocolate brownie dessert is very good <laughs> he turned one of his houses into a home for Jordan with polio, didn't he, Roosevelt? He had a summer house he wasn't using, so he turned it into a custom-built home for children with polio, which meant that there were only ramps and no stairs anywhere in it, so you could get around in wheelchairs. There were swimming pools which had ramps into them and uh, lots of things to hold on to. Fantastic. Well, the March of Dimes continues. It's Mm. still going as an organisation, and they're still doing things to uh, help uh, babies. And children. Has inflation affected them at all? Are they now the march of the 37 and a half census? Yeah, 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 yeah. With inflation, it's... Uh, yeah. Well, that's a lovely radio broadcast. I wish I didn't have to talk about this one <laughs> next. Because <laughs> on the 3rd of January 1946, Lord Haw Haw was hung for treason. 
William Joyce had been a member of the British Union of Fascists in the 1930s, but he was sacked in 1937. And he was so cross that, and this is a phrase you don't often hear, in August 1939 he fled to Germany. Usually that's the other way round. Yeah. He was unemployed for a few months, but then uh, got hired by the German radio service to make their English language broadcasts um, under the name Lord Hawhaw. Well, the Lord Hawhaw was the name the Express gave him. They'd actually given it to his predecessor, Wolf Mittler, um, who was fired when they brought William Joyce on. William Joyce started every broadcast with Germany calling, Germany calling. Um, and in 1940, he had an audience in the UK of six million regular listeners wow. and 18 million occasional listeners. That must have been all of them. Which is better than the Radio and Breakfast show now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it? come on, this <laughs> podcast is better than the Radio and Breakfast show now. <laughs> <laughs> who even does it now? I, uh, I, I, oh, it's um, uh, it's uh, Roger Royal, I think. I don't even know who that is. Those are words that mean the Reverend to me. Roger Royal. He's uh, <laughs> is it William Joyce? He was he was very successful on Wogan's breakfast show when they did Pause for Thought, <laughs> which was the sort of watered down thought for the day. And then he ended up doing breakfast on Radio One and never looked back. Oh, that's brilliant. So, in 1946, Lord Haw was hanged for treason on the third of January for his terrible radio broadcasts. He was the second to last person to be hanged for anything that wasn't murder. The other one was a German who was hanged the next day for treachery rather than treason, and I'm not sure exactly what the difference is. Presumably treason, you have to be a British subject, but treachery, you can be from anywhere. So, you know, knock yourselves out, rest of the world. I mean, the thing is, in terms of grading this and seeing, you know, whose moment in history was better... Mm. You know, my my one is still relevant today. Yes. Whereas some kind of fascistic (laughs) propaganda being peddled. (laughs) That has no relevance (laughs) on the world of today whatsoever. So, uh, well done. Well done, you. Thank you. So that's the 3rd of January. We put that one to bed. Yeah, we can totally put that one to bed. That was the 3rd of January. Tomorrow is another day. We'll be back yes. with another date fight at the same time. It's the 4th of January, specifically. It, it specifically, it certainly is. We know where we are, and we definitely know what day it is yes. and everything. Uh, we will see you tomorrow, Absolutely. whenever and wherever that is. Take care. See you later. Bye. Bye.